The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. I will openly admit these types of podcasts make me nervous because I have a specific plan for all of my podcasts. And then occasionally I'll have a big topic like QB stew or quarterback tears. And I want to get live raw verbal reaction but I'm worried if I don't get enough of it, then we won't really have a show. So I kind of stick my neck out and I say, okay, guys, we're going to do a show that is primarily based on the show I did yesterday. I hope you bring your takes and I just kind of hope you all bail me out. This is me. This is the trust fall exercise of Bill's Mafia content creation. I am trust falling backwards and I'm hoping that you all in your benevolence will catch me. Because that's what we're doing today. Yesterday on the podcast, if you haven't listened to yesterday's podcast, stop what you're doing. Go backwards. Listen to the 6-17-2021 podcast of the Bruce Exclusive, where I go through my quarterback tiers for 2021. And this pod is all about reactions to that. Hey, Bruce, did you think about this? Hey, Bruce, here's what I thought about this. Hey, Bruce, I have this guy higher and here's why. Let's talk about it. Let's have a reasonable discussion. now. Thankfully, because there are some new tools, if you are particularly, what's the term I want to use, aggressive, perhaps, I now have the ability to block and mute you on this app, which is always fun because you know how much I love the block and mute tools. So we are going to dive into it. Make sure that you have listened to or at least been on the social media account at Bruce Exclusive on Twitter to be able to see the tiers before listening or engaging with this particular podcast. We have people who've got things to talk about. We are going to start with Jake. Jake, you are on with me, Bruce, right now. You are muted, so make sure you unmute yourself. And then 
We will get started with your take. Hit me. Tell me what you got. Oh, Jake, you're still muted, man. All righty. We're going to remove you as a speaker here. Bryce, you are up with me. How are you doing, dude? I'm good. How, how are you, Bruce? Dude, it's a party all the time. Just of disco course. balls, dancers, the whole thing, man. If they were, so I was doing better, they would lock me away and think I was crazy. They're like, there's no way this guy's normal. He's having too much fun. All right, Bruce. So, so, so here's, here's my take. All right. I'm ready. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I think your second highest QB tier is a little too big. I, okay. I, I think there's, I think there's room, you know, I, I, I just don't think that Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson belong on the same tier. And I, I, I understand the, uh, you know, kind of what you're going for with just a very, kind of results-based um, tiering. But I, I think that there's really, in that second tier, two tiers. Um, and I, I'm not sure how you would divide that. And maybe it's just a bit of bias that I have, having seen Russell Wilson drag teams to to greatness and Tom Brady do the same. But, you know, it, it just feels like that second tier is a little too large. And I think it, you know there's maybe two tiers there. I can understand that take. Now, let me ask you, because one of the discussions I had on Twitter about the second tier of quarterbacks was that exact point that you just made, which was seeing someone drag teams to greatness. We've seen Russell Wilson drag teams to the playoffs before. We have not seen him drag a team to the Super Bowl before. When he got to the Super Bowl, he had a really, really good remainder of team. So let me ask you, do you think that Russell Wilson's supporting cast his organization around him his coaching staff his offensive line running backs wide receivers defense all that stuff like that is markedly better than justin herbert's Mm, no no probably not 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 in 2021 but was it in 2020 i'd say i'd say so okay so this is important this is really important This is where these players, I think, are at right now in a current vacuum. I am not trying to predict the future. This is a retroactive, a retrospective view. This is not where I think they'll be at the end of 2021, because then I'll have a new list at that point. I am of the opinion that when it comes to Anthony Lynn and Justin Herbert, some injuries on the Chargers offensive line and injuries in the defense for the Chargers and Anthony Lynn were significant parts of holding that team back. Now, you all know I'm not a huge Pete Carroll guy. I don't think Pete Carroll is an upper echelon coach. But I do think that Pete Carroll, plus the receivers that Russell Wilson has, right, plus the defense, plus obviously now the defense was not great last year at all. There was a, there was a, there was a time when Russell Wilson and the defense were at odds because the defense was one of the worst pass defenses in the history of the league. I mean, that was a reason. I remember thinking that it was shocking that Pete Carroll, after the game, was like, well, you know, they came out and they really threw the ball a lot. We were surprised by that. I said, you were surprised by that? The pass defense was terrible. But what we've seen is in those moments, you, you can still make the playoffs, which is where Russell Wilson is. In those moments when you can make the playoffs and have him be the biggest part of your team, we've seen that. 
Now let's take that and move it over to Herbert. Does this same statement apply to Russell Wilson and Herbert? It's not necessarily are they equal, but does this statement apply to both of them? Because obviously, like you said, there are rankings within tiers. Not everyone on a tier is equal. That's not how it works. It's is this statement applicable to both parties? So now let's flip over to Herbert. I think we can agree that can make playoffs primarily due to if Russell Wilson's on your team, you have got a good shot to make the playoffs. Even when you have a banged up offensive line, even when you have a terrible pass defense, even when you don't have a great coach, right? Now, I would argue that Justin Herbert, if you have a, if you take him, you flip him in 2021 and you get Justin Herbert level of play in Seattle and you get Russell Wilson level of play in Chargers, I think the team results would have been very similar. I think that Justin Herbert had the best rookie season of any quarterback who's ever played. And I think just right off the bat, he played like a stud. And you can make an argument, you can make an argument that they're very, 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 very close when it comes to results-based. So if I took them out of their situations and I put Herbert in 2020 in place of Russell Wilson, and I took Russell Wilson's level of play, picked it up and put it in San, in not San Francisco, not San Diego, goodness gracious, Los Angeles with the Chargers, I think the team results would have been similar. And that's the reason why I put there. I don't think they're equitable. I think that the statement I made, which is need notable support to win Super Bowl, but can make playoffs primarily due to, and I say primarily due to what? Primarily due to this quarterback's play. I think they apply equally. Now, I will agree that there's a very reasonable chance that there's some other qualitative line that I can draw that I could help divide this tier into two. I think that's true. In fact, I'm working on that for next year. I'm working on trying to create a different qualitative title for each tier. So there can be more tiers specifically to address this thing that you're talking about right now. But for right now, I think this statement applies equally to both parties. So that's the reason why they're there. I agree with you. I don't think that Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson are equal as far as the talent goes. But I think the statement applies fairly equally to both of them. So, Jake, you are back on again. Make sure you unmute yourself and you can hit me with the take. Thanks, Bruce. I apologize about that. For some reason, I didn't see the unmute button last time. Apparently, operating system favoritism is alive and well on Spotify. <laughs> Ah, hit me, um, man. What you got? So uh, I, I already kind of hit you with my Patrick Mahomes thought earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I'll hit you with my Tom Brady thought. So I totally understand why you have him in tier two. And just from a pure numbers perspective, I absolutely agree with you. Um, but I think there's a certain level of opportunity cost, for lack of a better word, that it really isn't measurable in football yet where baseball is light years ahead of football and statistics measurement. Um, I, I have a hard time putting Tom Brady in tier two, just because uh, I, I think there's a certain level of between, uh, between the ears, like he has it between the ears so much. And I think that made him a perfect antithesis to say the chiefs in the Super Bowl. Um, like, for example, if there's a third and five and he has a guy with a half yard separation running down the seam 20 yards down the field versus a guy with two yards of separation seven yards away, Tom Brady's probably going to take the guy with two yards of separation. So I, I just think that there's a 
a certain level of opportunity cost that isn't measured. Maybe there could be like a third down conversion rate for quarterbacks that we can measure, but I'm not sure the third down conversions are a quarterback stat, so to speak. So just kind of wanted your input on that too. Let me ask you. So the tier that Tom Brady is in is need notable support to win Super Bowl, but can make playoffs plurality do too. So would you agree with the statement that if Tom Brady at his current level of play, the last time we saw him, if he is on your team, you're a playoff contender. Just based on his presence alone, you're a playoff contender. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, absolutely. Would you agree with the next statement, which is if you want to win a Super Bowl with Tom Brady, you have to at least have a good team? Yeah, I, I think that's actually true of any quarterback, period. I Like you said, wins aren't a quarterback stat, right? Now, this is the reason why Tom Brady is in, is in Tier 2 right here. It's because the last weeks – I don't think his level of play – was markedly different as far as the actual talent he, he possessed, different in 2019 than in 2020. The vast majority of 19 to 20 was remainder of team. He went from a team that had a decent remainder of team to a team that had a very, very, very good remainder of team. And so because of that, he needed notable support to win the Super Bowl, and he got it. He got the notable support necessary to win the Super Bowl. I think the Buccaneers have a markedly better remainder of team than the Chiefs, the Bills, the Packers, and the Texans, especially the Texans. Clearly the Texans. I think the Texans are uh, right now kind of a disaster when it boils down to organizational top-down. So because of that, I think if you take – let's take the people who are above him. If I take Aaron Rodgers and put him on Tampa Bay, I think I think they can win a Super Bowl. If you take Patrick Mahomes and put him on Tampa Bay, can they win a Super Bowl? I think so. If you take Josh Allen and put him on Tampa Bay, do I think they can win a Super Bowl? Yes. If you take Deshaun Watson and put him on Tampa Bay, do I think they can win a Super Bowl? Yes. Now let's swap him out with people on his own tier. If you take Tom Brady and you put him in Atlanta, do you think Atlanta's a Super Bowl contender next year? Now, this is not hypothetical. I actually do want to hear from you on this one. So do you think – so go ahead and unmute yourself on this one, Jake. Do you think – if you take Tom Brady and his level of play from 2020 and you put him on the Falcons, do you think that team's going to win a Super Bowl? Uh, no, absolutely not. I think you're looking at something similar to maybe Tom Brady and the Patriots in 2019, where he's yeah. literally dragging them along. Yep. On his that's exactly that's ex- you, you are 100 percent where I'm at. That's exactly where I think. Which means at this point in his career, Tom Brady can be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. There's clearly, he won the Super Bowl. He played really well, but he's no longer going to drag a team to the Super Bowl. Josh Allen drug a team through the playoffs. The Bills defense last year was reasonable. It wasn't good. It wasn't very good. They went from very good to eh. Their running game was eh. So he had two significant aspects of the team. Offensive line was okay. It was fine. Right. The pass rush was not always hit there. Coverage on the back end defense. I mean, name me an elite group on the Bills aside from quarterback last year. I think wide receiver was very good. I think safeties are very good. That's it for me. Okay, I was going to ask if that was hypothetical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's it for me. Right. So for me, but now 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 take that to, to Tom Brady. Okay, take that to Tom Brady. I think the offensive line was very good. I think the receivers are very good. Right. I think the defensive line's fantastic. I think the linebackers are good. I think the defensive secondary played great and they nailed the rookie class. So 
That's the reason why he's here. I acknowledge the fact everything that you said is true. A hundred percent of the things that you said are true about Tom Brady between the ears. And quite frankly, I think what you're describing there is his ability to simply elevate an offense. I absolutely think that's true. He can take a really good offense and make them elite. But he wasn't able to take an office and make them great because in 2019 with the with the Patriots, he can drag a team to the playoffs. Every single one of these players that are in this tier, I think, have the following things in common. If you give them reasonable, not even notable, reasonable support, if you give them reasonable support, you have a playoff team. I don't think Derek Carr has gotten reasonable support basically at all over the course of his career. I would make an argument he got reasonable support one time. It was with Jack Del Rio. And when that year happened, he was an MVP candidate. But since John Gruden's taken over, the Raiders have had literally, this is not hyperbolic, literally the worst defense in football over the last three years, since 18 to 21. It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Terrible support. I don't think Justin Herbert got good support last year. As I mentioned, I think Anthony Lynn was one of the worst coaches in football as a head coach last year, right? Matthew Stafford, we all know about the Detroit Lions organization and how that hasn't exactly been what they want. So if you think about it this way, one of the reasons why I always struggle with the vernacular for these tiers is because quite frankly, each one of these tiers could have a title that was so long that it didn't fit in the space because I want to make sure I'm being literal, right? I want to make sure I'm saying exactly what I want to say. You know, I want to make sure exactly what I want to say. And I want to make sure I cover all of the specific, specific words that are important to that tier. So really what I could say here is need notable support to win Super Bowl, only need reasonable support to make playoffs. That's probably what this second tier could be. Because if I go down the list, Matt Ryan, if I give Matt Ryan as he currently exists, his current level of play, if I give this quarterback reasonable support, can they make the playoffs? I think so. Tom Brady, yes. Ryan Tannehill, yes. Russell Wilson, yes. Derek Carr, as mentioned, I think if he gets reasonable support, he makes the playoffs, yes. Kirk Cousins, yes. I think if he gets reasonable support, he makes the playoffs. Is that a true statement for all these quarterbacks? I think it is. Now, if you get just reasonable, can you win a Super Bowl with these quarterbacks? That's the next question. If all you get's reasonable, can you win a Super Bowl? With Matt Ryan, I don't think the answer is yes. If he just gets reasonable support, I don't think he wins a Super Bowl. What about Tom Brady? Well, he got reasonable support there at the end, right, With in 19 with, with the New England Patriots because Bill Belichick's are still a really, really good coach, right? And they still had a defense that's going to trick you up a lot. So he got reasonable support, but you weren't going to win the Super Bowl with that. He knew that, which is why he left and went to Tampa Bay. He wanted to go from reasonable support to notable support. That's what he wanted, and he got it, and he won a Super Bowl. Ryan Tannehill gets just reasonable support. That's it. Just reasonable. Not elite, just reasonable. Is he going to win a Super Bowl? I don't think so. Russell Wilson, the year when he won the Super Bowl, he got pretty significant support, notable support. So that's the reason why I went this. I use phrases like significant, notable, reasonable. I use these terms specifically because they help me delineate between Tears. So that's the reason why they, and I'm really glad you brought up Tom Brady because he was one of the most polarizing prospects in this entire thing. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one of a kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. 
Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When it comes to Joe Burrow, David in the comments says, you can say the same thing about Joe Burrow, right? Now, number one, we have a sample size issue with Joe Burrow. That's the first thing that you should know about Joe Burrow. But also, Joe Burrow wasn't a rock star last year. Joe Burrow was a reasonable quarterback last year. When you look at Joe Burrow, specifically his advanced metrics, and you look at, okay, he, he had enough of a sample size to be able to at least accommodate for the sample size threshold that comes along with these. So I'm scrolling through, and I'm going through all of Joe Burrow's, right? Joe Burrow was 26th in average net yards per attempt. He was 24th in QBR. 24th in passer rating, 23rd in DVOA, 23rd in PFF grade, 6th in CPOE, and 23rd in EPA per play. So there's an outlier for him. In the same way that Patrick Mahomes has an outlier on CPOE in one direction, Joe Burrow has an outlier in CPOE in the opposite direction. So I don't think Joe Burrow was a rock star last year. So we know for a fact that he was being let down by a a team that didn't have a good offensive line. We know that. But one of the purposes of QB stew is to attempt to separate out the play of the quarterback from the play of the team. Now you can't do it just so you know, it's not possible. You can't do it. You cannot entirely 100% separate the play of the quarterback from everything else. It's one of the things that makes football so much different than baseball. We mentioned earlier that baseball was way ahead of football when it comes to, you know, advanced analytics. And the reason that is, one of the reasons that is, is because in addition to football culture holding that back, which is part of the thing, you know, football, old man, football culture, right? Old school culture. That's holding that back. The other thing is everything is so intertwined that it's hard to untangle it. Now, QB Stu can do its best to untangle it as an advanced composite of metrics, but it can't entirely do it. So when you look at Joe Burrow and you think, okay, I understand that he had a less than stellar elite remainder of team. However, there's some of these, some of these metrics do a fairly decent job of separating out quarterbacks from team. If you look at some of the metrics that are more influenced by team, EPA per play, is very influenced by team. That's very, very influenced by team. We know this. So if you have a a player who's being drugged down by their team, one of the ways you're going to know this is with an EPA per play rank that is a significant outlier to the remainder of the data points. So if you know what you're looking at, 
when it comes to the skew, again, make sure you go to at Bruce Exclusive on Twitter. You can see literally all the skew scores, all the composites, all the metrics on a gigantic thread I have pinned. If you see EPA per play as a significant outlier, you know, hey, I think maybe the team's letting this person down. I'll give you a great example of that. I just mentioned that I thought that the Houston Texans were a little bit of a disaster in 2020. Well, let's talk about that, shall we? Let's pull up Deshaun Watson's QB stew, shall we? QB stew for Deshaun Watson breaks down like this. Average net yards per attempt, third. QBR, 12th. Passer rating, second. DVOA, fifth. PFF grade, third. CPOE, first. EPA per play, 13th. Notice an outlier? If you didn't have EPA per play in there, and remember, it's important, part of a component of QBR is EPA per play. So if the EPA per play is really low, the QBR is also being drugged down with it. That's important. QBR is essentially EPA per play plus. So it's important that we know. If we know what we're looking at, we can kind of draw a narrative. We can kind of tell a story if we know this. So if Deshaun Watson's third in PFF grade and fifth in DVOA and second in passer rating and then 13th in EPA per play, we know he's being drugged down by a bad team. We know that because the system is designed to show us that. Ironically enough, I designed the spider graph to look like a teardrop in the scenario when this is the case. Just a little graphical, mathematical humor. I put EPA per play and QBR on parts of the spider graph where if they were low and everything else was high, and so you represented a quarterback who was being let down by his team, the spider graph is going to look like a teardrop because it makes him sad. I understand that's incredibly lame, but I thought it was pretty funny. So that's important when it notes. So I think the other thing that's important to note about this particular tiering is that tier two, as mentioned earlier, tier two has a fairly large group of players. It, as mentioned earlier, pretty big when it comes to the amount of players that are in there. But in addition, you have a fairly large group of stew scores, which further gives credence to the point that was made earlier that you could probably divide this into two sections. You could probably have an upper tier two and a lower tier two. I haven't come up with a way to split the needle. Did I just say split the needle? Yes, thread the needle. I have not come up with a way to thread the needle. But if you look at players like Matt Ryan, they were 18th on the total stew score. 18th was Matt Ryan. But Russell Wilson and Derek Carr were both 7th in stew score. Ryan Tannehill was 5th and Tom Brady was 6th. So the range is from 6 to 18. That's a fairly significant range. I am taking I, I I am taking a little bit of liberty when it comes to players like that because you know Kirk Cousins was 10th, but Matt Stafford was 17th and Matt Ryan was 18th. But the reason why I was comfortable moving them up a tier, even though if you just go ahead and rank them, right? If you just go ahead and rank all the people in regards to Stu and then you just draw some lines, they should have been in tier three. The reason I was comfortable doing it is sample size. We have seen a lot of Matt Ryan. We have seen a lot of Matthew Stafford. I, I have a feeling I know what they are at this point. We've seen a long career from these players and they were still playing well 
overall. I think they've still been playing well for organizations that didn't have good teams. That's why I was comfortable going a little bit off script. I said, I said, Bruce, when you are going into this exercise, if you are going to move someone off of their current projected line when it comes to Stu score, you better darn well have a good reason. Because think about it. I created the Stu composite to try to take my personal biases out of it because you deserve better. You deserve someone who's not going to throw crap at a wall and see what sticks to try and generate engagement and come up with terrible ticks. So if I'm going to say that I'm going to spend all this time trying to come up with a metric composite that I think will properly evaluate quarterback play as well as I possibly can, then if I'm going to deviate from that, I better darn well have a good reason to deviate from that. And so every single time I literally line them all up from one to 32 when it comes to Stu score. And then I have to plug in the people who are undetermined, which is the very bottom, Jordan Love, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance. And then I have to try and plug in the people who didn't qualify for Stu score last year because they didn't have enough snaps. People like Jimmy Garoppolo, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. All these people, I have to plug in randomly. Jalen Hurts didn't qualify. I have to plug him in randomly. So I got to do the best I possibly can. And then if I'm going to make adjustments, if I'm going to move people like Matt Ryan ahead of people like Baker Mayfield, I better darn well have a good argument. And I better be able to explain it to you. Because if I can't, then you're going to start to question whether or not I'm just throwing crap at a wall and seeing what sticks. And that's not okay. So that's how I ended up with this whole, this whole thing. Now, I'm going to try and find a way to delineate between the upper and the bottom part of tier two. I'm going to work on that for next year. The big addition this year to the quarterback tiers that wasn't there last year was the implementation of Stu. Last year at this time, QB Stu was not done yet. I didn't have it. It wasn't done. I had it, the idea and I was fiddling around with it, but I was still trying to figure out which metrics I wanted to use because the curation is the biggest part of it because I'm not creating anything. I'm curating things. So I'm specifically picking individual metrics that I think will help balance and create a holistic view of a quarterback. I was still trying to learn everything I possibly could about DVOA, QBR, EPA per play at this time last year, which means I did not have the luxury of having QB stew when I tiered last year. I didn't have it. So the big addition this year was the addition of QB stew. I have a feeling that the change for 2022's QB tiers are going to be the actual tiers themselves. I will probably try and come up with a more, uh, more succinct way of doing this, and I'll probably try and draw from a singular data point. It will probably be need this to win Super Bowl, need this to win Super Bowl, need this to win Super Bowl, need this to win Super Bowl. That's probably what it will be. So that the end result is still win Super Bowl. And then I'll try and come up with a qualitative way that I want to say what I want to say about the elite remainder of team, good remainder of team, however it is I decide to do that. That's probably going to be what I decide to do next year. Now, we've got somebody with me here. John, you are unmuted, which is awesome, and you're here. Hit me with your take, man. Hey, Bruce. Thanks for the great tier list. I appreciate um, it, man. Yeah, well, I'm ecstatic to have Josh Allen in tier one, obviously. Uh, but as a Bills fan, I'm also – paralyzed with fear of regression in 2021 
So I'm wondering what you think is the biggest variable for that to happen out of your quarterback, Stu. Okay. So that's, this, this is a great question. This is a fantastic question. If you, let, let's dive into, let's, let's dive into Josh Allen. Let's do it. So let's pull up the Josh Allen QB stew and let's look at where he played well and let's see where we go here. So Josh Allen was number two in CPOE, number three in EPA per play, fifth in PFF grade, third in DVOA, fourth in passer rating, third in QBR, and fifth in average net yards per attempt. So here's what I would do. Now, there's not a lot of holes to poke in that. I said on the podcast that I truly believe, and you you would never confuse me for a homer. Nobody would. But I truly believe that if Aaron Rodgers doesn't go absolutely bat crap crazy in 2020, Josh Allen's the NFL MVP. I really believe that. I put in perspective, Carson Wentz in 2017 when everyone thought he was going to be an NFL MVP, his QB stew score was 4.71. Josh Allen's in 2020 was 3.57. It was a full 1.2 points better than Carson Wentz was when he was an MVP candidate. That's how good Josh Allen was in 2020. So if I was going to look at things that would potentially drag him into the next tier, the two things that would come up are NEA and PFF grade. Those are the two lowest pieces of this. They both came in fifth. And I know why that is. I guarantee I know why that is. Because I know what makes up these metrics. And that's the joy of this. The joy is if you understand these metrics, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. If you go through and you learn these seven metrics the way that I did, they tell you a story. Because you know the ins and outs of them so well. I guarantee you that NEA is low. Because Josh Allen still has a tendency to take, take, hold on the ball too long, and sometimes he takes some negative stacks. And PFF grade is lower because he can make dangerous throws. So if I'm looking at this qualitatively after examining it metrically, I say that if you're going to see regression from Josh Allen in 2021, it will be in those two areas. It will be that he didn't get better or got worse at holding onto the ball too long and taking bad sacks. Like sometimes you're yelling at your screen, throw the ball away, throw the ball away, throw the ball away. But the problem is sometimes he makes ridiculous plays and that's just part of it. But if that line starts to slant in favor of he's no longer making as many positive plays and he's making more negative plays, then the NEA will drop. And if the NEA drops, it'll drag down the stew, which drags down the tears. That's how this works. With PFF grade, right, if he has a scenario where those dangerous passes that he has a tendency to make have a tendency to not bounce his way anymore, then that will start to pull down. We know this. So if it was for me, if I'm looking at this and I think, okay, where is there a possibility for Josh Allen to potentially regress in 2020? The first thing I'll tell you is that. I'll say, I think NEA and PFF grade is where you're going to see it. I really do. There's a chance you could see it in CPOE a little bit if the receiving and Brian Dable do a better job of scheming to get receivers even more wide open. If that's the case, CPOE might drop, which is, I'm fine with that. If CPOE is your lowest one, I have no problem with that. 
It just means you're getting a little bit more help from the system, which is fine. It's also a decision-making metric. So it's a decision-making metric and it's a system metric. Who are you choosing to throw the ball to? How open and at what target depth is that receiver? And how well is that receiver catching the ball? Those things are what go into CPOE. Based on the depth of target and the average separation of that player, what is the likelihood that he's going to catch the pass? Then, did he catch the pass? Those two things, when put up against each other, determine CPOE. So Patrick Mahomes is the great example. Before we get started with this, before we even got started with this podcast, we had a gentleman hop on here, Jake, and Jake said, hey, I'm glad we got a chance to bring up Patrick Mahomes on the pod and talk a little bit about it because CPOE is the significant outlier for Patrick Mahomes. And that has always been the case with Patrick Mahomes. So I actually pulled up Patrick Mahomes' CPOE year over year. In 2018, when we got the maybe the best Patrick Mahomes ever, that year he was still 14th in CPOE. It was the best we'd ever seen from Patrick Mahomes, and it was 1.2 in CPOE. In 2019, Patrick Mahomes wasn't good in CPOE. He wasn't good at all. It was negative 0.6. In 2020, that number was still not good. It was negative 0.9. So this is a consistent trend with Patrick Mahomes. And that doesn't mean Patrick Mahomes isn't a good quarterback. He's a great quarterback. It means he's a great quarterback and he's making good decisions to throw to wide open Tyreek Hill. He's getting a lot of help. One of the troubles with these tiers, and it's always going to be a problem when you evaluate quarterback, is what if Patrick Mahomes played for the Vikings? That's always the issue. And there's certain quarterbacks where you're just not going to be able to tell. You've never seen him in a good position or you've never seen him in a bad position. That's going to be part of this. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's okay. That's okay. You cannot properly answer the question, what would this look like for a different quarterback if you've never seen that before? You can opine on it, but at that point you need to go into film and you got to do things like that to be able to make those hair, those hairline decisions. It's one of the things that makes Deshaun Watson such an interesting case study is I have Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes on the same tier. Could there possibly be a different organizational environment for those two quarterbacks? Patrick Mahomes has one of the best play callers of this era in Andy Reid, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey on his offense. Deshaun Watson got Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans organization. So, You do your best, and the fact – here's the important thing. The fact that QB Stew put two quarterbacks who were so different in situation right next to each other means I think it's doing its job. The situations for Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson could not be more different. Guess where they showed up on QB Stew scores? Right next to each other. Watson has, was in third place with 5.57. Mahomes was in fourth place at 5.71. So if you, the environments are crazy different, but the stew score managed to put them right next to each other, I feel like it's doing its job. I feel like that's, that's not necessarily an indictment of stew. I feel like that's a reinforcement for stew. 
That's my personal opinion. Corey says in the comments, I feel like the real concern in a regression happening, for myself at least, is when the coaching staff most likely gets shaken up after the season. I agree with you. We've never seen Josh Allen without Brian Dable. But we have seen Josh Allen get better and better and better with Brian Dable. So you try and isolate the variables here. So was Brian Dable, this is one of the things I, I really love about the discussion is, was Brian Dable a markedly better offensive coordinator in 2020 than it was in 2019? I don't think so. I don't think he was a markedly better offensive coordinator in 2020 than he was in 2019. I think Josh Allen was a lot better. So that line right there, everything else around him was very similar. Now they added Stephon Diggs, but Stephon Diggs was the only thing that was really different in 2020 than in 2019 for the Buffalo Bills. The only major contributor who was different on the offense. That's it. And I'm, I, listen, I love Stephon Diggs. I think he was awesome. I think he's a great receiver. He's one of the top five receivers in the NFL. I 100% disagree with the idea that Stephon Diggs was solely responsible, responsible for Josh Allen in 2019 becoming Josh Allen in 2020. I simply, I simply don't, I simply don't believe it. Let's go back to what Josh Allen stew was in 2019. If you remember correctly, I said that in 2020, his stew score was 3.57. It was second in the league. In 2019, it was 27.57, which is not good. 24th in passer rating, 25th in QBR, 23rd in NEA, 35th in CPOE. 35th in CPOE. We already established CPOE is largely determined by your system, by your decision-making, right? And your receivers catching the ball, making sure they get open. He went from 35th in CPOE in 2019 to second in 2020. I, I refuse to believe that that entire jump is Stephon Diggs. Sorry. I just don't believe it. We have seen other quarterbacks get a big time weapon and not have that happen. So because of that, I think that I don't worry as much about Josh Allen without Brian Dable because Brian Dable has been the constant. Josh Allen has been the increasingly competent variable. So when Brian Dable leaves, is it going to change things? Absolutely. Do I think we're going to go back to 2019 Josh Allen? No, I don't. In addition, Josh Allen can regress and the Bills can still be a Super Bowl contender. That's the other thing I want to talk about. Josh Allen can regress and I think this is still a Super Bowl contending team. I truly believe that. Think about it. What's the second tier of this group? It's need notable support to win Super Bowl, but can make playoffs plurality 2-2. Do you think the Bills have given Josh Allen notable support? I think they have. I think they have a, a pretty good tier of receivers. They have a, a fair offensive line. I think they have a really good safety tandem. I think their cornerback is really solid. I obviously can argue that the CB2 needs to be upgraded, and I have consistently. I think they have a really good linebacker in Matt Milano and a linebacker who could potentially take the next step in Tremaine Edmonds. They've invested heavily in that defensive line because they knew they had problems there and wanted to get younger and more dynamic. Sean McDermott is a very, very good coach, as opposed to players like 
Anthony Lynn, who I just mentioned were holding back Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert with Sean McDermott is markedly better than Justin Herbert with Anthony Lynn. So for me, I think they have given him notable support. I really do. So if you need notable support to win Super Bowl, Josh Allen comes back a tier. He ends up in tier two next year, which is still good enough. I'd still give him the bag, dude. If Josh Allen doesn't sign an extension this year and he ends up next year in tier two, which is need notable support to win Super Bowl, but can make playoffs plurality do too, give him all the money. Give him the bag. Sign him to a fat marketeer contract extension. I am completely good with giving anybody in tier two or tier one a big extension. In tier three, it's where I start to get questions. That's where I go, eh, I don't know. Tier four is nope. Nope. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even going to re-sign him, much less re-sign him to a market extension. I'm not going to re-sign him to an extension, period. If I get the same level of play from Daniel Jones in 2021 that I got in 2020, I'm absolutely not resigning him at all. If I get the same level of play from Carson Wentz in 2021 that I got in 2020, I'm not resigning him. Sam Darnold, same thing. Jared Goff, same thing. Drew Locke, if Drew Locke doesn't take the next step, I'm not going to be like, you know what? We're going to sign him to an extension and we're going to hope he's going to prove. Nope, absolutely not. So for me, it's first tier and second tier. Give him the bag. You can win a Super Bowl with that quarterback. He's your guy. Third tier, eh, maybe if a really good system fit, there's some culture things, maybe you give him some money, maybe. Fourth is no, absolutely not. It's basically, as far as if you look at this like a quarterback's attention, the tiers are basically absolutely, yes, possibly, and no. That's essentially what the, the quarterback extension tiers would be. If you want to flip it and look about it, like it's, hey, do you extend this quarterback? It's absolutely yes, maybe, and no. Those are essentially the quarterback tiers. And the final tier is undetermined, which is, I don't know, who knows? Not enough data. N slash A. Scatty in the comments says, it's double tap Bruce time, fellas, for the content, for the mafia, for the gems, for the bills. Man, I like that, man. Go ahead and double tap my icon. Give me some gems. I still don't even know what they're for, but I'll take them. I'll take them. It's a, it's a, it's a pride thing. That you guys enjoy the content. Guys, we did it. We made it to 45 minutes. I, I'm always so worried that we're not going to be able to do it. And somehow we managed to pull it off. And it's mostly because you guys are able to kind of get me off on a tangent and get me rolling. That's essentially what I need. I just need somebody to kind of get the engine revving, you know, get my brain flowing. And then I can just go off on some sort of crazy tangent. Thank you so much for being able to take something as awesome as quarterback tiers and the QB stew thing and being able to fit them into two episodes because I can't do it without you engaging with me. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for doing this for me. Thank you for being a part of this conversation. We're going to do it again next year. and We're going to upgrade. We're going to keep fiddling and massaging it until I feel really good about where this is. This is the third year I've done quarterback tiers. Four, I can't believe it's been three years. This is the third year I've done this, guys. Can you believe that? Gosh, I can't believe it. This is insane. Time flies, man. It's insane. But, hey, until next time, I guess all I got to say is that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan. 
Buffalo Rumblings.